Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Josh Brown, I wish this was the wind-up. This is whatever me and you can make this recording into. I feel like hell, you feel like hell. But we can't miss any more podcasts, Scott Taylor. No. I have missed this. So I'm referring to this, you know, um, colloquially. Is that This is our sick day podcast. This is me <laughs> and you being off school, you know, trying to keep each other company and hoping that uh, everyone else can keep us company as well. I tell you what, that's the thing. Welcome along to uh, what is usually the wind-up, which is usually me and Josh going back and forward on the week's gaming news stories. Maybe there's something we need to argue about or whatever. And we just barely got the energy for it. So we are still going to run down uh, gaming news stories. Can't guarantee there'll be that much energy in it, but we'll see. Part of me thinks if I force my way through this in terms of just going like big, loud noises, I'll heal myself somehow. But it's <laughs> it's a work in progress. But yeah, I, like, I've i had COVID for the last week and a bit. Still got it according to the tests that I keep doing. Um, you've been very ill as well. Thankfully, not covid but it seems like you've got this strain thing too so we've both just been ill as hell for the last week or so i know it's a nightmare man it's uh <laughs> it's not what i wanted to spend the weekend doing i'll tell you no. that but it did mean and i want to talk about this on a future podcast but it did mean i could have finished all of dark souls 2 i played 20 hours of dark <laughs> no. souls 2 finish that front to back and uh, that was an interesting time. That um, made certainly. me more ill you getting back into Dark Souls too. <laughs> but I was also like, you should, because it's like an essential thing. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it would be banter. I thought it'd be funny if I just finished Elden Ring on with COVID. I was just like, well, I've got COVID. I'll go fight the last boss. And then I, and that'll just be something funny that I say for the rest of my yeah. life. That when I was uh, dizzy and blurry, I was fighting the last boss. And uh, yeah, Elden Ring finished. Me, you and James Dallas are going to do a Elden Ring podcast thing uh, for the main show. Because uh, we've all finished it now. Um, and we'll dive into general thoughts and stuff after hitting credits and stuff on that game. Because it is a hell of a thing. Um, but, and also we can talk about, well, actually, no. Give me your thoughts on Dark Souls 2. Because you've never played that. I want to know what you think. Dark Souls 2 is a very good, unsurprisingly. Mm. I thought Dark Souls 2 was a, was a very good time. It was what I expected. backstab animations in From Soft Games. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but they're really? pretty good. Pretty oh, good like parries them. as well. Like um, yeah, I want to dig into this more because I want to I want to rank all the FromSoft games now, or at least all of the Soulsborne yes. games, because, you know, I feel like I've never really done that. I've never really sat down and thought, like, which one's my favorite? Mm. And it's interesting throwing Dark Souls 2 into the mix right at the very end because it's, it's such a different game from Dark Souls 1, and I wasn't really expecting that. And mm-hmm. a lot of the changes took some getting used to. And once I got used to them, I was appreciating what this game brought to the table in a lot of ways. <coughs> it's like such not more... It's like, it's like it could have just been more Dark Souls, but yeah. it's not, and it tries to do something different. And not everything works, obviously, but I, yeah. I, I like that they at least tried... 
to experiment in a lot of ways. I think you can tell that Miyazaki wasn't involved in it in like like overall. Obviously, he came back in for the Scholar of the First Sin stuff. Um, yeah, we'll do um, we'll do it as a wind up because it should be me versus you on the rank stuff. Because I know you'll put Bloodborne <laughs> at number one, and I know maybe you won't actually. Maybe Elden Ring might have beaten it. I think you'll put Bloodborne at number one, but you'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll this do this. Yeah, where both of us have got uh, way more energy to be able to do a, I guess, what'll it be like a top six at this point? Maybe more, I guess we do. Um, Demon eight. Souls, Dark Souls 1 to 3, Sekiro, yep. Bloodborne, Elden Ring, uh, 7? 8. 7, top 7. As I counted eight. one. I am an ill man, but either way, we'll do we this um, next time. Um, in terms of the latest breaking news stuff, and um, kind of also a follow-on from Elden Ring, it seems like um, FromSoft have been in touch with Brandon Sanderson, who was an incredibly famous fantasy author, the dude that just raised $41 million on Kickstarter, an unprecedented amount for a, um, for a self-publishing author, um, who is known for the Mistborn series. He's, apparently, he's just this huge fantasy deal. I didn't know, but I was sitting next right. to my book person wife, who freaked out when the words Brandon Sanderson were mentioned. Um, because apparently from software want to do a, I guess, Elden Ring style game with Brandon Sanderson. Um, and like I said, he's known for Mistborn. Apparently he came in and finished off the Wheel of Time series um, when the original author couldn't uh, finish the books and stuff. And he's just this massive deal. Like I said, he raised $41 million on Kickstarter, which was an insanely unprecedented thing. Um, and it seems like he always um, is very on the ball in, t- in terms of turning around a lot of books, um, which is kind of the opposite of George R.R. R. Martin. So he's said um, that he already has a pitch for what he would do for a Souls game um, because he likes to write pitches and stories in advance of of teams getting in touch with him he said that he initially right. wrote an entire magic the gathering story and um, with the hopes that wizards of the coast would get in touch so that when they did and they said would you like to do this he went well yes it's literally this and so apparently he's <laughs> already done this um for uh, what he would do for a souls game i don't think he's written it out in full but he knows exactly what kind of story he would do um and yeah from soft got in touch and apparently have asked to do a collaboration with him and so um a lot of people who are uh, sanderson fans are justifiably freaking out and um, me and you don't know that much about him but i think no. in terms of um this signaling a potential Elden Ring 2 like what do you want to see from FromSoft and what do you want to see from like the way that they put Elden Ring together in terms of the way they collaborated with uh, George R.R. Martin I mean first off yeah you're totally right like I'm not familiar with this writer at all but it's cool to see you know people with you know obviously a lot of experience and a lot of passion you know like like you said there you know kind of preempt a pitch and make your own Mm. pitch like that kind of passion that kind of drive like it's just exciting to see and I want to Mm -hmm. see what comes from this partnership should it go ahead but like yeah I've been thinking a lot about what I want from 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 software going forward and I don't know if I want an Elden Ring 2 if I want them to go back and make a Bloodborne 2 or what because originally (laughs) Just patch Bloodborne. Just just patch it. Well, this is the thing. Originally, in a a video that actually went up a few weeks ago, I said Mm. they should never make a Bloodborne 2. But post-Elden Ring, I think old Josh was an idiot and they definitely (laughs) should make Bloodborne 2 because I want to see them stick with the open world formula from now on. And I just think that's opened up so many different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I want to see them, you know, I want to see an Elden Ring 2. I want to see a new IP, but I also want to see Bloodborne 2. I am a very um, selfish and greedy person. And I want (laughs) all of those three things. I just couldn't prioritize any because I just... I'm excited. Well, the thing is, like, I like I'm currently debating writing uh, things no one wants to admit about Elden Ring, and I think one of those is that they do reuse too much. Like I mentioned, the backstab animations with Dark Souls Two because I remember them sticking out quite a lot in, in terms of being something fresh. Like Elden Ring has the same backstab animations, the same weakened stab animations as Dark Souls One. Like they've had the exact same right. stuff for way too long. And I think for as much as they go, oh, this is a new IP, this is a whole new world. 
And it is, you can argue it, there's a lot of the same DNA in there. And so like, for me, it's like, it, it, it's almost like you might as well just call this a sequel. If you're gonna, like Elden Ring could have been Dark Souls 4. Like if you just called it that, it, there's not that much that really, you know, like there's all this sort of family, royal family lineage stuff that George Martin obviously brought in. There is some of the wider lore stuff, but if you just called it Dark Souls 4, I think most of us would just go with it and be like, cool. Like that franchise is so malleable anyway, that I, I wonder just yeah. whether they're in, it, um, inevitably just kind of creating sequels anyway. It's, it's true. I think, you know, you look at all of the games, you look at, you know, uh, Demon Souls into Dark Souls into, mm. you know, even Bloodborne into Elden Ring. Like there's obviously, you know, threads throughout there, like repeated uh, motifs, repeated, you know, aesthetic mm-hmm. you know, um, designs, repeated mechanics, certainly. But I like that they're all discreet. You know, I, I appreciated Elden Ring more, Elden Ring going to Dark Souls 2 and just kind of looking at how far they've come in like right. 10 years, you know, because literally jumping straight from the menu of Elden Ring and then starting up Dark Souls 2. Like, I just couldn't believe how different they felt because you do go from game to game. You're like, oh, well, not much has changed. You know, they've refined this, they've refined that. Mm. And that's true. And it was only putting them side by side where I was like, holy crap, like this this was a huge leap. Even the stuff that I took for granted and thought was very similar is actually um, different. And I like that with From Software, we have a game style and we kind of know vaguely what we're going to get Mm. with each one. But each, for me, at least anyway, each franchise justifies being its own franchise. Like you could call Dark Souls, uh, Elden Ring, Dark Souls 4, and it would probably sell like just as well or whatever. Mm. And it would make some thematic sense. But by separating it, like you keep Dark Souls, Dark Souls, you keep that trilogy kind of, for me, focused on one theme of like kind of like cycles and, you know, like obviously Mm. like the flame and the dark and all of that stuff and making this Dark Souls 4 would reduce that series down to just a group of mechanics where, where I personally think it's a bit more than that. It's a no, it's, it's, it's world, it's a thematic um, kind of uh, preoccupations. And Elden Ring obviously shares a lot of DNA, but it is its own thing. And it, mm. I think it just it justifies being its own thing. I just, I wish they would vary up the mechanics more. Like for me, like as much as I got like, you know, Sekiro like pushed me to the brink of like, oh my God, I just need to finish this. That Genshiro fight was an absolute like hellscape but i didn't enjoy that i did it <laughs> sekiro for me is even more standalone now because like it's even more like you know you, if you play sekiro now like it is more cutscene driven you have an actual like character who talks to well you know who is in cutscenes with people who are talking to them like there are actual cutscenes there are like the combat system is different all those animations are different there's nothing reused from the soul series and it's just it is one of those things where i kind of wish elden ring was more of its own complete package that it didn't have the the, the dark souls dna kind of thing i know that's completely away from um well not necessarily completely away from what we were initially talking about but um you know if they do elden ring 2 the same way that they did do dark souls 2 and sort of just do like a trilogy of elden ring games then you can do it's going to be a case of reusing these mechanics yet again though for me it hasn't got to a breaking point yet and i happily accept the reused um textures or animations or Mm. whatever is just kind of the reality of making these games so quick like if you look at the run Mm. they've had over the past 10 years you know they've they've launched a dark souls trilogy they've launched um elden ring they've launched bloodborne (laughs) they've launched sekiro you know they've had these games coming thick and fast which Mm. with um dlc expansions for each one in between like the turnaround on these things are crazy the fact that elden ring itself only took like what four years of proper production to make Mm -hmm. obviously it was in pre-production a little while uh, before then like the idea was being kicked around but like talking actual production from Mm -hmm. second row to this like it's crazy that that game is so big and so detailed with that short amount of time so it's Mm -hmm. like 
Yes, they are reusing stuff, but to me, that just makes for more efficient development. If that makes no, it sense. is. It is. It's just it's it's splitting hairs at some point. But like, if you look at like Rockstar's run across the two thousands, like the, those original three D GTA's, like yeah, you go back to them now, and they're even more obviously the same engine that's been reskinned. But they would add like you know like different animations like across the board. Like like the, the, I guess there was some stuff that was reused, but I feel like they made a point of trying to distinguish each one of them. Whereas there were just little bits of Elden Ring, and like, I'm not gonna make it all about the backstab animations, but that was one of the things where I was like, <laughs> this is literally the same thing from 10 years ago and it was the same sluggish feel to it but whatever my over yeah my overall point with that is just that if they're going to kind of go forward with it i don't want it to um take too much of the old stuff like i want it to feel like its own thing more um and i don't even want to be able to think this could have been dark souls 4 or like in terms of the way that it moves and in terms of the way those animations play out and stuff um next thing though um is that sony bend are apparently working on an open world stealth action game that's a spiritual successor to siphon filter um this comes from a fairly new account called Oops leaks who people are still sort of going back and forth on whether to trust them or not. Um, and they also tweet saying that they would they are also skeptical, um, but multiple sources they have access to have confirmed it. Um, development is apparently in full swing, uh, despite the studio's frustration over a rejection of a days gone sequel. And it'll be a late Cold War setting. They mention um to think Hitman, think Metal Gear Solid 5 with much denser lo uh, denser locations and online elements and co-op is planned, but don't expect a release in the next couple of years. What do you think? Well, first, true? I can't believe, I still can continue to not believe that Days Gone 2 was thrown out and not made. Like, <laughs> uh, the thing with Bend, right? You I don't feel want like more Days Gone. No, I do, no. I do, because, like I said, like the thing with Bend, I feel like they've got like an incredible game in them. And they've mm. kind of, you know, made these um, stepping stones, uh, if you will, to, to get to that point, to get to the point where they talked about like a naughty dog like a sucker mm. punch or whoever mm -hmm. and for me days gone was like the closest they've come to properly establishing something and it just feels a bit of a shame to throw another foundation out to make something new i'm, I'm quite excited for this idea you know I'm a, I'm a huge stealth fan i like the idea of mixing hitman and metal gear solid mm. 5 uh 5 uh, metal gear solid 5 phantom pain of, of mm -hmm. course uh, but when it comes to just like the the, the potential that Days Gone had, I feel like that was a seven out of ten game that could have maybe had like a nine out of ten sequel. Yes, and the thing Days Gone was fascinating because I feel like even in the run up to launch, it it didn't fully get there, and I feel like they must have known that. Like, and even when it dropped, it was like cool. It's the new PlayStation first party exclusive, but I remember everybody being really surprised by the sales, and it was like, well, I guess zombie stuff still sells, but that was kind of all they had. And obviously, the Horde stuff looks really impressive, and technically, it's like a big strain on the hardware and everything. But I feel like they didn't do that much with that, as much as it was meant to be this big selling point. Um, and I, I, you know, I quite like Days Gone, but I just when I think back on it, I'm like, it's just this big stod of this thing that took up like 50 hours of my life or whatever it was and i didn't even finish it i don't think i don't remember the ending i don't remember the ending really i don't think i actually got through it. i remember you slogging through it um and then you took like a month off games after that because you were like i need to absolutely decompress but um yeah i just remember days gone being a bunch of cool ideas and in the moment i liked a lot of the survival stuff i like the like it's like state of decay i like sort of semi or fully open world zombie stuff where you don't know what's yeah. around the next corner that was some of the best parts of evil within two when when that went a bit bigger um but it made me go like this is a bunch of scattered ideas and you'd not really coalesced and it feels a bit exhausting and uh, to me i'm i'm really i want them to move on i want them to be like that was the thing we tried and you know we ticked a bunch of boxes that should have been big money and it was big money but that was kind of it 
I mean, I, I agree with you, but the, with everything that you just said, funnily enough, and this is why this is an episode of The Wind-Up, is why I want a sequel from it. Because like you said, you know, it was scattered, it didn't coalesce, mm. but there were some interesting things in there. Like you said, the, the hard feature that mm. the game was pretty much sold on. Like that doesn't even show up in the game itself for about 10 hours, if no. not longer. And it randomly like, it, spawns it everywhere. Like, yeah. yeah, it takes a long time to appear. And it's like, that's a cool mechanic. Like having hundreds of zombies like chasing you and you mm. trying to figure out how to, take them out with your weapons with environmental traps with just being smart and leading them into you know fighting each other or whatever mm-hmm. like that's a cool idea but it was just sort of um under an avalanche of other content and story beats that repeated themselves or were dragged out and stuff which is to me why it's a cool experiment and why it kind of deserves more because there are good ideas mm-hmm. in there and for it to just be kind of like completely swept under the rug i do think undersells some of the cool ideas that were um brought to life by that team true um to pivot into the thing if this is true um the whole idea of doing a stealth game in 2022 or going forward like you know the rest of the generation or whatever do you think this is the only way that we get stealth games now of any sort of like decent production (laughs) quality because stealth as a genre has just died off like you know it's it's an entire genre reduced to just hide in the tall grass so that's as as best as we can do and so i kind of wonder i mean that's obviously the oops leaks account is mentioning hitman and metal gear solid 5 um, but it's interesting because he's like, well, think Hitman, think Metal Gear Solid 5. They are two polar opposites to me. One of them is isolated specific environments. The other is completely open-ended self. So I guess it's kind of a combination of the two, almost like Elden Ring, where you've got little pockets of actual levels, let's mm. say, on you know around the periphery um, of, the, uh, of the map itself. Is that kind of what you would want from a stealth game? Or would you want more specific levels? Like, I want the Hitman approach. I don't necessarily want the open world thing, unless you can do it as well as Phantom Pain. That's it. It needs to be as good as Phantom Pain. Mm. Like you need to have, you know, kind of the the, the fluidness of Phantom Pain's <laughs> mechanics as well as its its kind of like enemy placement and design. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that, like you said, you know, you've got this big open world, but when you go into an area, it feels like a level. It feels curated, like a mm-hmm. level where you can approach it any way you want, but you're getting the flow of something that is scripted and something that is um like a piece of architecture or whatever so it's going to be difficult to do but i'm just so sick my friend of having (laughs) stealth be hyphenated with something else you know it's stealth action yeah it's 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 an rpg stealth game or something in the triple a space i feel like like you said you know like the 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 core stealth experience has just kind of died off yeah Yeah, we have hitman yeah we have um some stealth games some dedicated stealth games in the indie space or the Mm. double a space or whatever Mm -hmm. but on this level like you said you know we hold up phantom pain as the last great one and that was seven years seven years ago it was a long long time ago even that was metal gear you know yeah. like one of the legacy historic franchises one of the last remaining stealth games you know there's that joke in um i think it's the wildlands dlc mm-hmm. where sam fisher sort of says like he's the last one left because metal gear has obviously been killed off now that yeah. uh you know kojima has moved from konami and it's, it's only sam fisher and even sam fisher's only getting a remake is only starring <laughs> as a side character in dlc expansions for other games which well sucks. i guess so, like... yeah if they're going to go in all, all in on it sorry just to no, no. finish off if they're going to go all in on it i will them to go all in on it i don't mm. want it to be like you said you know it, it to be an experience where you can do stealth if you want you can hide in the grass if you want like nah like curate the content <laughs> around that idea it makes me wonder if um because obviously yeah with splinter cell we're getting the splinter cell remake but i just i just don't buy that that is like i i don't know i i like stealth in the way that it took off in the early 2000s especially in the splinter cell context or especially in the non-metal gear context was very like here's the level here's how you get through it it's very linear and then obviously all the copycat stuff just sort of like you know dug down on those things do headshots hide in the shadows make get all the guards to come around the corner at once and make a big pile of bodies and that was kind of the thing 
And I want more experimentation. It's why I really like where Splinter Cell went. As I love the original ones too, obviously, Chaos Theory, but I quite liked um, Conviction and Blacklist because you suddenly had a lot of verticality to those levels. And, um, you know, you could make it like escapes and run up the side of the wall and go hang off the ceiling. And it was all, everything was faster. And I was like, why was nothing ever fully taking advantage of this? Like Tenchu was kind of like that. Um, and like the Shinobido series that came from that was flying that flag a little bit. There's like one release on the Vita, um, like, like, you know, like three people played or whatever. And it's just like those things where I was like acrobatic stealth is really cool. Like, you know, moving through yeah. a level in a, in a way that's constantly experiment and letting you experiment is really, really slick. So, yeah, I don't know. I am. Um, I kind of have faith in Sony Bend um, to some degree, but I also wonder that because it's a PlayStation first party thing, I think that's where the open world stuff comes from, because they're just like, well, you're going you're gonna to need a workbench. You're going to need some light crafting components <laughs> and you have to go and, you know, craft some uh, silencers or whatever it is. So I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of potential with this. The next thing down is um, that Rare's GoldenEye remake is apparently releasing imminently. I feel like we've heard that for the last few months. Um, but I there's think we have, yeah. Leaker accounts doing the rounds because the trademark for this was renewed back in March. Uh, sorry, last month in March. Um, and the assumption is that because all the big games have now gotten out the way, um, Xbox can finally step forward and go, we've got something too. And it's the GoldenEye uh, remake. So uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff with this because um, Rare initially remade GoldenEye, the N64 GoldenEye in the 2000s. Apparently it was a completely finished game. And then it didn't release because of some uh, big clash with Eon, who owned the James Bond license. Um, and they just said you have to shelve it. And for whatever reason, it never came out. Um, but it resurfaced. I think it was last year initially where the build was yeah. online again and we saw people starting to play it, but it was only obviously leaked and everything. Um, Xbox have been working towards releasing this GoldenEye remake thing and apparently that's finally coming out. Do you think that anyone even cares about GoldenEye in 2022? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I don't think so, man. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, didn't we? And I just like, I mean, I'm sure there's some diehard fans out there who have been waiting on this, you know, remake, remaster mm. for a long time. But like, like I said, then, you know, I feel like there's uh, people of my generation who didn't necessarily grow up with it. Right. Who have kind of like just heard of it as this like legacy thing. Uh, or maybe have played it at Friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, like, especially if this was completed in the 2000s or whatever, it's kind of just like, and I, I, and it's, it's, it's not for me, but if it's for you, I that think owns. I am very curious what it plays like because the reason the original GoldenEye took off so much was because it was a lot of people's first ever deathmatch. Like it was a lot of people's first ever split screen multiplayer experience. And especially on an N64, obviously that console had so much energy around it anyway. Um, it you know it worked and but that that game's control scheme has aged like it's not that it, it has aged badly obviously compared to where the likes of modern warfare is or warzone or whatever but it's still largely functional like you know serviceable you can go and have fun with goldeneye and i think but it kind of needs to be encased in that n64 wrapper like when when you were over at my house for my 30th and everyone was playing goldeneye like part of the fun is getting used to the old controls and then then managing yeah. to pull off a headshot or whatever and I kind of wonder how much they've had to go into the guts of it and change the way that it feels to be able to, like what the hell even is making Goldeneye work in 2022? And whether um, that becomes something more like how Time Splitters kind of feels um, because some of the dudes from Rare went on to um, do um, the name of that dev, I've completely forgot who made Time, uh, time Splitters. And I wonder if Free that's- Free Radical. Uh, Free Radical. I was like, it's not from anything. No, yeah, Free Radical. <laughs> um, I wonder if that's how it ends up feeling. And that's, that is in itself quite an identifiable feel to a shooter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super curious about this it's a nice little archive piece the best thing about it will be the main menu music i'm calling that now <laughs> but hopefully it's sweet um another leak that i'm gonna throw in from the um the old oops account um is just because they're doing the rounds quite a bit at the minute because they are talking about very interesting things whilst also saying take it with a pinch of salt i'm skeptical i don't know um but the oops the oops leaks account is throwing some uh, juicy things out there that i think are worth talking about anyway um and another one uh, they said they've come across various playstation leaks but they couldn't very ver- verify them in full but they said they were worth talking about anyway. So um, one is that The Last of Us's Factions multiplayer game has been completely rebooted. Apparently it was a, it was going to be a battle royale. Um, now, according to them, it's a mix of Tarkov and The Division, a single player-like experience in an online game. It's going to be free to play on PS5 and it's later coming to PC. Um, alongside this, actually, no, we should break that stuff down. And then I've got, I've got more on, stuff. Man. But you, yeah, what do you think of them? I'd never, the whole thing about Naughty Dog doing a battle royale just made me cringe in the first place. I know that a lot of assets were leaked from the PC build and stuff, or people started Mm -hmm. hacking last of us too and found those items that would work in a battle royale setting i don't need that in my life i know you probably do uh, i don't uh, yeah <laughs> that's the thing i probably would have taken that because you know i'm not a i'm not a massive battle royale fan i really mm. like warzone but i'd never you know got on with any of the other games you know i never mm. got on with PUBG, fortnite or anything like that but for me the last of us multiplayer suite in the original game factions was so 
cool and, yeah. the, and their like the gameplay supporting the last of us is so satisfying especially in the last of us 2 which is way more fluid way more visceral way more tactile than it mm. ever was and i just think that world and that um set of mechanics lends itself well to a battle royale-esque survival experience you know and mm-hmm. when, when it comes to this multiplayer experience like it could be anything at this point it's yeah. definitely bigger than factions if it was just factions again it would have been out by now you know we're almost two years out from the release of the last of us uh, part two mm-hmm. and the fact that we still haven't seen anything from this but we know it exists because they've mentioned it is is to me a little bit crazy so the it does i, I would believe it if someone said like look it was internally rebooted because otherwise mm. where's that where's it been why yeah, have we not heard true. anything about it in so long I wonder if they're holding back because they want something to sort of like uh, lead the spear, lead the charge on their live service push. Like we've obviously got Jim Ryan talking about it a lot. And obviously brought Bungie to help support that stuff with netcode things or whatever lessons they've learned in terms of live service things. And maybe something like that has led into, you know, actually you want to hold back because we're going to launch it this way and we're going to do this payment model and we're going to do all those kind of things. Because in terms of um, Sony experimenting with, you know, payment models, like Destruction All-Stars was a mess. Gran Turismo 7 is an absolute insulting mess to the fans who have stuck by it this long. They need to get it right. If you're going to go, Last of Us is free to play. The thing that immediately follows that has to be, but you need to play it because blah. And it's like, if it's just this big, empty, weird framework that's going to get stuff plugged into it, then I don't know. I just, I... I don't know. I, I love The Last of Us Factions. I really want them to do way more with it. Like, I love all the social media connection and obviously the way that it plays and everything. But I hope that it is gameplay first. I hope it's not, you don't feel like you're being nickel and dime kind of thing. Because um, yeah, they need totally. to nail the gameplay side. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, you've got anything going live service, anything going free to play that is an mm. established franchise. I think you've got to be a little bit skeptical, especially mm. with the way the industry is at the moment and the way that Sony is with their live service push. You know, mm-hmm. it's completely right to be skeptical but with it being you know naughty dog who i at least bank on delivering you know solid fully formed experiences that to me uh bodes well obviously mm-hmm. you know i think the foundations are there like i said the last of us 2 has this solid foundation and i hope they can take the lessons they learn from factions and deliver something that does blend the single player and multiplayer because you know i loved the social media integration like you mentioned mm-hmm. in the factions gameplay to give it some kind of um framework some story framework but you can it's been it's all, almost been 10 years since they did that experiment yeah. you know there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned uh since then in the live service space and both in a storytelling space from knowing themselves to flesh that out. That's actually terrifying that we're one year away from The Last of Us being a decade old. That's yeah, man. That's a lovely thought. That's, that. when, that's when we're going to get the remake. That's when we're <laughs> going to get the remake. So the drop on the anniversary. I'm Maybe that's you. another thing. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. Like they know there's going to be a whole yeah. Last of Us marketing well, push thing. So yeah. Totally. I mean, they, they, they've they've got this multiplayer thing. They've got the remake and development. Mm. The show is coming out next year. Why not just drop them all together and have like a month of The Last of Us being this big loving, you know? Possibly. Yeah, I keep forgetting that show exists. But um, we'll get back to The Last of Us in a sec uh, because um, apparently Naughty Dog's next IP, their next full new game, um, is a fantasy game. Now, apparently Neil Druckmann isn't involved in this, but the game is in full production. Um, now, me and you covered this last January. I barely remember. I remember the leak, but I don't remember us covering it. Um, but there was a leak last uh, last January 2021 that Naughty Dog's next game was going to be a fantasy game, like a swords and sorcery type fantasy game. Um, and this uh, came from a leak of one of the, uh, Naughty Dog's artists called um, Hyung Nam, who did a whole bunch of different um, pictures of various women, various fantasy, like mages and warriors and stuff. Um, and they called it Women of the North. 
Um, and people went, is that for your new game? And then um, he went, no, 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 it's actually just inspired by Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but that was after it all blew up and stuff. And um, which, you know, was a nice little cover and everything. But that's what this leak makes me think of because maybe Naughty Dog have been wanting to do a fantasy game for this long. Um, and I went back and watched our old news video and old me had already researched that um, the Naughty Dog were hiring for melee animators and combat animators and things like that and stuff that would point towards the idea of a more intense melee system, let's say, maybe something like a Ferrari or whatever um and so yeah what do you think of like naughty dog's next ip being a a fantasy i don't know game of thronesian type thing it's cool like it's you know it's something that they've obviously not really done before and Mm. i'm all up for them doing new ip you know we've had a decade now of the last of us and uncharted dominating both Mm -hmm, of those mm -hmm. series seem to be on ice at least for a little bit uh you know while they work on the remake while they work on the tv show and stuff so yeah to see them come out swinging with a new IP, I think is almost long overdue. You know, we had an entire generation of Sony first party studios making new IP. You know, mm. we had Ghost of Tsushima, we had Horizon Zero Dawn, while Naughty Dog was working on um, established franchises. The first time so, they ever didn't do a new yes, IP. Yeah, totally, totally. So it's something that I've been very hungry for. Mm-hmm. Fantasy, you know, I'm going to make a sweeping statement and say that fantasy <laughs> isn't something I get inherently excited about. You know, no, I you, obviously love fantasy things you. like Skyrim, great, Elder mm-hmm. Ring, great. But uh, the I'm a sci-fi. Give me, give me the that, sci-fi. Yes, yes, totally same. Exactly, exactly the same. But still, it's not. You know, like I said, I have so much confidence in them. The mm. fact that Neil Druckmann isn't involved is also really interesting. Obviously, mm. he's got his hands full. I think he's like. He's very high up in Naughty Dog now, if I recall, like a vice president or something. You know, he got so. promoted. He's working directly on the show. So I'm kind of pleased that his attention isn't being divided between like all of these things and now a new game. It's mm. cool to see new creatives come through in that studio and get their chance to shine. You know, exactly mm. like Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley were allowed to do with the original Last of Us, like passing that baton on. It's just cool. It's exciting. I want to see some new blood, some new ideas and see mm. what they can create. The thing is as well, I kind of, I want Naughty Dog to make something that isn't like super maudlin and, you know, hyper mature and bloody and gritty and gruesome and whatever. I Like obviously their initial, um, you know, like obviously, well, back in the day in the 90s, they were doing like early RP, like Rings of Powers, like the RPG stuff. Then they went into platformers and cutie stuff and whatever. But I, I kind of just, I want to see what else that studio can do. They've done gritty, mature stuff for, well, almost a decade, like we said. And Last of Us was such a great pivot. Um, not that the Uncharted series obviously wasn't mature in itself from Jack and Daxter, but I just, I wonder what else ideas they have. And I wonder how much uh, Druckmann and Straley, like, you know, because obviously when they came came into Uncharted, Uncharted 4 became like The Last of Us. And that's great. I love Uncharted 4. But at the same time, it's it's art direction. It's general feel. It was very like, yes, everything's very serious now. And we need to, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of them. And I want, I want to see what else they can do in that studio. And I kind of hope that if they do a way more um, lighthearted, I don't know, like, I'm not going to say fun, but something that isn't Last of Us edged. Uh, fantasy game yes um that would be sick and i kind of want to i want to see what that is there was all there were always rumblings of a naughty dog sci-fi game um for the longest time and i forget its name um but there's a comic that's popped up in in, in various games that they've done it's one of the ones savage that any... starlight I yes savage starlight maybe. i love this man and it was because um, <laughs> it's in various games and ellie's reading it in um, in the last of us as well and a lot of people went okay what's savage starlight why do you guys keep seeding that in places um, and thinking that maybe that was going to be their next thing. So just like I said before, I'm a sci-fi man. It's not that I don't love fantasy. Literally had a Lord of the Rings themed wedding, but at the same time, I <laughs> would love 
a sci-fi Naughty Dog game. And uh, I think the nearest we got to that was what that original Star Wars 1313 footage looked like in terms of the way that thing yeah. was moving and the art style and, and everything. And yeah, I would love to see them just create a cool world from scratch in a sci-fi context. For me, you can always do more with sci-fi than you can with fantasy. I just feel like it's more open to storytelling in a way that fantasy isn't. You can do more with the philosophy side of it and whatever. So yeah, I'm curious about that. The last thing um, is back to the Last of Us stuff, um, which is just the Oops Leaks account mentioning that the Last of Us Part 3 is still circulating around that studio. And he says that Druckmann um, already noted officially that the script had been outlined for what they would do, um, but Naughty Dog got engrossed more in the development of the faction skin that we mentioned in the fantasy game that's coming together as well. Um, he does say that when development starts, he expects it to begin faster due to the studio's overall expansion. But what do you think of them doing a part three like after everything that happened with part two did they just sort of crack on i mean it did sell extremely well and it's revered it very well it's they just kind of go let's just do part three i mean you know me scott i think the last of us part two owns and i want to see a part three because i like those characters i like the new characters i like the returning characters i like what they did and i like where they left it and i think mm. it's going to be interesting to follow whoever you pick up with whether you follow ellie whether you follow abby or you know whatever happens mm-hmm. next i do want to give them i want them to give it some space you know like like i just said you know neil Druckmann is obviously very busy and uh, they have this new ip or whatever the hell they're working on now alongside the last of us remake alongside the last of us uh, multiplayer game so the last of us is covered for a while like mm. just go off do some of the games you know do this fantasy game do whatever leave it another seven years or something eight years <laughs> and then come back for the part three like for me that's the way to do it you know there was mm. a long time between part one and part two and i wouldn't mind if there was an equally long wait between part two and part three because when it comes to this franchise for me it's like i want them to justify it existing yes. it's not a franchise i want to see them just churn out sequel after sequel it needs to be a good idea and something that people are passionate about that's kind of what was fascinating with two where as i went through it i was like this is incredible i was in absolute bits by the end of it but the first thing i thought when the credits hit was i didn't need that and i think that it's not that it, it did justify its existence in terms of the overall production value and, it, and it's it's a fine enough story to tell but i i the more distance i've got from the last of us two the more i i, I didn't personally i didn't need it um, and so i I wonder what you do. Like, like I said, the more that I think back on it, the more even part two feels quite forced. Like I would love it if Last of Us was a one-off and like I, w- I would feel personally that it, it's stronger as a one-off um, before you go back and tease out all those threads to justify a sequel or whatever you need to do to justify a part three. Um, also part of the message of part two is how, how uh, dragged out war and conflict can feel. So I kind of wonder how much more you can hammer that home um, considering well, how well they do I, that in two. Yeah. That's that's kind of like where I'd jump in and say like I if they do make a part three I think you need to learn from the lessons that the narrative of part two established like I don't think you can do another completely grim dark thing I mean it's the Last no. of Us of course it's going to be you know uh, gritty and realistic and mm. violent and very very dark but like you said you know the, the part two was famously all about the cycles of violence and breaking mm. those and growing into someone else and trying to have some hope and changing and evolving and maturing and hopefully with part three we get a version of this you know universe that isn't steeped in that kind of uh, violent revenge driven mm-hmm. mentality and it's something it's like a new chapter it's a new chapter for the characters it's a new chapter for the world and they take those lessons and kind of make a more hopeful game to catch the trilogy actually, off maybe. 
Yeah, I, if they okay, I might just one eighty everything else I just said. I if they <laughs> did, uh, if you make if you let's say you do a Last of Us Part Three, and it's it is also about Ellie, and you then retrospectively once three is out the way, you can look at it as a trilogy of this one person who went through all three games, and you can look at Joel's influence on her, you can look at Dina's influence on her, you can look at all the various factors, all the different uh, the wider literal factions that she interacted with across Last of Us Part Two as shaping this person. Like that, depending on where, what happens in three and where she ends up at the end of three. How I'm but I'm getting more bunged up as I talk. My my, my <laughs> nose is failing me. But um I'm determined to make this point. Um yeah, I think that that could actually become a really cool character trilogy because one of the biggest obviously talked about things with two was how little Joel was in it. Um and if you reframe that, recontextualize that as a full trilogy by the end of it and just go look how much this dude meant to her um at this part in her life and how she then moved on from that and then you know the different lessons that she took forward etc then that could maybe retroactively make the whole thing work i know they didn't plan it yeah. as a trilogy um and obviously you can, you can kind of tell but like at the same time there's maybe a way to bring all that stuff together and do the last of us trilogy um and i just i love ashley johnson like if you want to give any more roles any more time to her <laughs> like that's great um so there's a there's a potential there i guess yeah, 100%. You know, I think, you know, just looking at this character, and like you said, how her environment and the people she's interacted with have influenced her. Mm. I think that's awesome. And I like her being kind of Joel's legacy. You know, obviously yes. she met him when she was already, you know, uh, like growing up, she already mm. had her own personality, but obviously he and his teachings and his personality impacted her a lot. So I like the idea of her taking those teachings and then becoming more than what Joel could be. Like to me in The Last of Us mm. Part Two. Ellie just is Joel, like obviously because she's still feeling that loss, she's reacting in the way that Joel would react, you know, to right. become consumed by rage, to be to go inward, to like, you know, mm-hmm. lash out and become violent. And then obviously through the flashbacks and through her interactions with Joel as he was kind of more mature you kind of get a different side of Ellie. And I want to see that taken into part three where she's understood those teachings. She's been Joel and now mm. she becomes someone better someone that he would have liked her to be like i just think that's a cool way to finish that that would be cool i yeah and and obviously like assumedly because Druckmann was the one who said we've already outlined the script for what we would do for a part three that this would be the thing that he quote unquote comes back for if he is away from the studio doing the hbo stuff um and obviously you know we've got the factions multiplayer to come that assumedly will be the the thing that comes sooner and then you've got whatever the fantasy game is and then in a who knows how many more years in the future you eventually get a last of us part three uh to round all those things off um, but yes, for now, this has been the wind up. We've actually got through it, Josh. We actually did it. We did all right, I reckon. Without passing out. I don't think it's too bad. Um, but yes, massive thank you to all of us, uh, to all of us, to all of you for checking in. It's been the wind up. I've been Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Hilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.